Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Thinking Out Loud with Pastor D. Today is Tuesday, the 4th of July. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday. My name is Joe, and he is one of the few men on this earth that has the right prescription for spiritual diarrhea. <laughs> Pastor Dwayne Watson. Good morning, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I want all you out there to know, I never know what he's going to say at the beginning. He doesn't tell me so that I will have that laugh. Why? Why do I? Yeah, you were almost a uh, 13-year-old girl impersonator. Yeah, with spiritual diarrhea. Spiritual diarrhea was much better. (laughs) Anyway, everything going all right today? It is now. Did uh, did you enjoy your week off last week from the podcast? No, I missed it. I was. I look forward to doing this, uh, so I missed it. Glutton for punishment. Mm-hmm. That's it's fun. I got you. God bless all y'all who listened to that last one, though. Three hours long, and yeah. people listen to the whole thing nonstop. And if you listen, if you got towards the end, you'll get the spiritual diarrhea thing. <laughs> That's where it came from. <laughs> oh, anyway. wow. I just forget that those things even get said. Three hours. That's like flying to Atlanta and back. Yeah, but we covered the whole Bible. We sure did. And 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 with great acumen, yeah, that's talent right there, folks. Yeah, Whew. talent at work. <laughs> Everything <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Everything good in Watsonville? Yeah, everything's really good. Sons and daughters of war, doing all right. Everybody's everybody's fine. You know, I, I, let me just mention this. <laughs> I hope nobody up there listens to this around where Darian works. Uh, but some people have had concerns about Darian, his motorcycle stolen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what's he doing in Washington, D.C.? Anyway. Every time I hear his name, that's all I can think is yeah. the motorcycle that disappeared. And then the last Sunday, I took a swipe at his uh, boss because oh, yeah, it, was our, it was Michelle. He wouldn't let him come down, yeah. Right. It was our 29th anniversary. We had it all set up where he was going to lead worship with Kaylee and Micah's playing the drums. Bought the plane tickets and everything. It was oh, no. done. And then his boss, who was an, an, an under-shepherd, an under-pastor at a church where he works in Washington, D.C., said, no, you can't have the time off with no for no reason. You can't have the time off. And then that guy left. He took off for the weekend and left Darian holding the bag. Oh, no. Man, I was mad, so mad that I said something about it in that sermon. One of the services, maybe I said something at both. Man, that made me mad. Like it was the first one. I might have said it again in the second one. I, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, whew, so interestingly, uh, he the church he used to work in in uh, Florida, he worked there all through four years of college. I think all four years of college. And then uh, he began there more full-time after college. He uh, When he went to Washington, he the hardest thing about it all was that meant leaving that church where he was still, like I, like I said, kind of full-time, but not quite. And... So he's now, that was last October. Well, that same church has has offered him a legitimate full-time pastoral position. That oh. was just, he was Congratulations the deciding process while this guy at this church did what he did to him. And so Darian was like, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, now I see where I am. I already knew something was wrong, but now I see where I am and that it's not good and I'm leaving. So I think that was God's sign saying, I do think so, yeah. for you to move on my. Yeah, Michelle handled it pretty well after she found out what had happened. That would have been, man, that would have been so good if they all three were working together that morning to celebrate our anniversary and all that. But as it turns out, it's a thing that's finally going to get Darian out of Washington, D.C. and back to Lakeland, Florida, which is 
He likes it down there better? Uh, yeah, he likes who, it a lot. Who, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, he thought that D.C. was going to be this great, wonderful adventure. And he was there for about a month, got his motorcycle stolen, and realized it's a stink hole. And he just wanted out of it. It's full of politicians. Yeah, it's an awful place to be. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice place to visit and go see some museums and then, but live there? Yeah, if you, if you, if you rank the worst things on earth, you're like car salesman, pond scum. <laughs> politicians yeah so yeah. man no you know we have so many military people that are part of coast life church all over the world who end up spending uh, some time in washington dc we have some people that are uh, headed there right now from a uh, coast life church global and they i know that they're always excited about it but i think <laughs> i hope that they get to experience a buffer like that they don't they get to live separated from all that political nonsense right where dear the long uh, the museums and all that stuff for all the history. Oh, they say man. it's just filled with stuff. It, oh, have you not been? Never. Really? I had a oh. chance to go a couple of years ago, and Jackson and Jalen went. Jalen was a part of some kind of something to do with her high school, mm-hmm. where she could. She was a junior senator or something. So they got to go off. Jalen got to go off for the week and spend with the politicians. Huh. She and Jackson, however, walked around DC and visit all the museums and stuff. Yeah. I wanted to do that, but Jonah, of course, was a baby at the time, so right. we couldn't carry him up there and tote him around. So Man. I stayed home with him and they went and uh the agreement is that when it's time for Jonah to go, I get to take him and yeah. she'll stay home or well, she can go. I don't care. The museums will be all right then. And just all all of the the history of the place is really wonderful, and I really like museums anyway. But they have—they just must be some of the best museums in the world. And because you're That's an American, you go for free, yeah, which is my favorite price. And so <laughs> it is—it—I it, 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 would not want to live there. Oh, the thought of that is horrifying. But it—it it is a nice place to visit and go and sort of soak up all the patriotism and. Right, right. Uh, I've heard the Natural History Museum is just incredible. Oh, it is. The Air and Space Museums, there's two. Man, they're so good. Mm. One of these days, I'm going to get up there and see all that stuff. I have been to Philly before, though. That was pretty cool. Uh Uh-huh. Got to see the Rocky statue when it was there. I went there one time. The bill and all that stuff. Did you go to that place where... Going to talk about food now. Here we go. Where the two cheese steaks, cheese steaks are yes. across from each other. We went to some place. I don't remember the. It's been so long, but uh-huh. uh, we went somewhere about cheese steaks, and man, yeah, they were delicious. Yeah, there are these two famous ones on opposite corners. So we went and ate at one, and then we went and ate at the other one. Oh. <laughs> uh, two G- meals right in a row. Yeah, it was Gino's. I think is one, and I forgot wow. the name of the other one. Somebody can tell us. Anyway, there are these. It's, I mean, they've, they've been in movies and television and. They were good. One of them uses cheese whiz and the other one doesn't or something. I can't remember, but I ate a whole sandwich from both of them. Huh. It was good. I got gotcha. you. All right. You got anything special planned for the fourth today? Uh, Shoot some fireworks tonight? No. This afternoon, I've still got a little more church stuff to do this afternoon. So Working on the holiday, folks. <laughs> All for Working Jesus. on the holiday. All for the Lord. And then we'll we're gonna spend some time. We'll do some some spend some time with some friends this evening, and you know it'll it'll go away, and then it'll be Wednesday. back to work tomorrow. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> All right, let's see. On today's podcast, we will be discussing some of the different topics from Sunday's "That's My Jam" service. These topics will include the "That's My Jam" series of sermons planned for the summer. The Coldplay song, Fix You, and how it was selected for use at the service on Sunday. We'll discuss the connection between music and spirituality a little bit. 
Uh, we'll talk about the human reluctance to change and why we always seem to dig our heels in at the thought of change, even when it's for our own good. Mm-hmm. And finally, we'll talk about God's willingness to fix us when we are broken and how sometimes our own free will kind of gets in the way of that. Before we do that, however, we'd like to let you know that this episode of Thinking Out Loud with Pastor D is brought to you by Polk's Drugs. Are those big box pharmacies driving you absolutely crazy? Are they always out of your medicine? Are their wait times ridiculous? Are their employees rude? Do they ever answer the phone? Mm -hmm. Have you ever spoken to the pharmacist at one of these places? Hmm. Well, stop wasting your time with those jack wagons. (laughs) Do yourself a favor and try Polk's Drugs, where we are committed to customer service. Polk's Drugs is your local independent pharmacy with two stores here on the coast, one on Pops Ferry Road in Biloxi and the other on Washington Avenue in Ocean Springs. And they'll both be happy to help you with anything that is medication-related. All it takes is a single call to get what you've been looking for, and that is to get away from those jack wagons. (laughs) Where did you pick up that piece of terminology? No idea. (laughs) That's inappropriate. (laughs) Uh, So that's Polk's Drugs and Biloxi. You can reach them at 228-207-0505 or Polk's Drugs and Ocean Springs at 228-215-1020. And with that... I guess we'll get started. <laughs> I think the one on Pops Ferry has free biscuit Fridays, don't they? Oh yeah, I probably should mention that. Oh I? man, you can get a free biscuit, so you can get you can get morning biscuits every weekday. We don't do them. We don't do them on the weekends, mm-hmm. but uh, every weekday it's a work day. Uh, we do biscuits, and you can get them any way you want them: egg, cheese, sausage, ham, bacon, chicken. Oh, I didn't know that. Whatever you want, but on Fridays we do free biscuit Fridays. So. Every person that comes in the store gets a free biscuit. Is that also with stuff on it? Yeah, whatever you want. What? Yeah, chicken and cheese, chicken, egg and cheese, bacon, egg and cheese, sausage, egg and whatever you want. For free? For free on Fridays. That doesn't make any sense. I'm coming and getting some of that. Come on, whenever you're it's ready. It's not like you don't have to buy something. Just come in and enjoy your free delicious biscuit. I'm not responsible for what Michelle says to you later <laughs> after you get your biscuit, though. We have, there, we have a couple of people... Uh, some sometimes people will come in and they'll try to get all the biscuits. Like, can I have them all? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, you can't have them all. Just one per person. Yeah. But you know, if you got somebody in the car or something like that, we'll mm. let you grab two. Or we have this one guy, big dude. He's like six eight, and just a big dude. Mm. And you look at a biscuit compared to him, and it's like, dude, get two. <laughs> you, you know, you need two. Oh wow. So, but most of those folks, it's surprising they come back during the other days of the week and they'll buy a biscuit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Free Biscuit Fridays. That's amazing. Uh, we've had really good luck with that, so we're going to stick with it for a while. Hmm. See how it works. I can't believe you can. I thought I thought it was just a plain a plain biscuit. For Like, here's your biscuit, and there's here's a butter pat. No. Nope. Enjoy. But that would be great. That's the first thing people say, especially when you advertise, like, online. Like we put a Facebook ad up, and the mm-hmm. first thing somebody said was, yeah, they just give you a stinking little biscuit, and that's <laughs> it. And I was like, no, you get it any way you want. It's legit. You can ask. The, the girls will make you something. Uh, you know, you want something strange. I want chicken and bacon. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so they'll put chicken and bacon on it. You can have it however you like. Man, go to Polk Drugs. Get that free biscuit and then something yes. to drink in there. I bet the coffee must be so good because you're a coffee. Yeah, I like coffee. Uh, so we have uh, that. <laughs> we have the New Orleans roast coffee. Miraculously, it's the same coffee we serve here. Wait, really? <laughs> Weird. Church on Saturday. Something. On Sunday, excuse me. (laughs) Some of the finest in the land. Finest in the land. 
Okay. Then a person, we do talk about food a lot. Then you're just up the road from, uh, what's the donut place? I forgot. Shipley's. Oh, yeah, Shipley's Donuts down the road, yeah. Go get your coffee and biscuit and all else you need from Pulp Drugs, and then just go down to Shipley's and get one of those things. Do we have anybody here that owns or operates that place? No. no. We should now tell them we just gave them a free plug. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll reach out and ask for a donation. That's a good idea. I'll do that. We'll tell them. We'll take donations and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Really be expecting something then. Oh man, those donuts are good. Yeah, they are. Whew. Are they better than Krispy Kremes? They're so much bigger. Every once in a while, we'll get somebody. Don't ask me why. Mm. Well, I know why. It's because we have better service than Walgreens or whatever. So, oh, yeah. some one of our customers will show up and just hand us a dozen <laughs> donuts from Shipley's, and it's like that never happens here. I really don't want to do that, but yeah, okay, we'll take them. So I'll pass them out to the employees. Yeah. Wow. We need to let Shipley's know. We just gave them a plug. Yeah. And uh, pay up. We need donut. We need that $5 donation to the building yeah. fund. No, that's what I'm saying. Donuts. Or donuts. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Go to Pole Drugs first, though. Get that biscuit. Yes. Come free get your biscuit. Get your free biscuit. I'm going to go get one. All right. From when to when? When does it stop? So we, we open at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. and we stop making biscuits about 9.45, so about 10 o'clock. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, is what it is. Just keep making them till we run out. You're sick of seeing me on Friday morning. That's here, all right. Here comes that boy for his free biscuit. I'm on the pharmacist, I heard, will come out and even chat with you. Oh, man, he's a nice guy, too. Good looking, too. Yeah, why? Well, that's gross. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a very handsome man. I know. Yes, I am. <laughs> and he's got a got, manly voice, he's got too. got that dang voice. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. We got to get going or people can tune out. Joe Flint. All right. First question today. Now, your first car was a 68 Mercury Cougar. It was. And then you sold it to upgrade to an 82 Camaro just because of the air conditioning? Yeah. One of the dumbest decisions I've ever made as a human being was selling that car. The Had I kept that Cougar, man, it was it was in good shape. It would be worth a lot of money now. And that Camaro is in a junkyard someplace. And if I had one, it wouldn't be worth anything. What It was an 82 Camaro, but what year did you upgrade? What Was this in oh, the right. 80s? Or? Uh, it must have been 88. When did I graduate? So it, it, was, it, it had to be like 88-ish, 88 or 89. Yeah, something like that. That and Camaro had a four-cylinder in it. It they made Camaros with a four-cylinder? Yeah, it was such a sorry car. It now, was was it, was it the... It wasn't the IROC style. Oh, no. It was the one right before that, right? It, yeah. The yeah. one that the guys were putting the big tires on the back. and Yeah. Yeah. It kind of did. Those it were had, really popular at It had school. louvers on the back, that back oh, yeah. window. Yeah. It had that and a, a bra. That's what they were. That's what they were. It had with that on yeah. the front. I, so, that wasn't a bad car to have. But. No, but just the Mustang. I keep saying Mustang. That Cougar was so, it would have been such a cool car to keep. Right. That's in some guys. The guy that bought it for me was actually a collector. So I, if he still oh, well, he knew then. Yeah. Well, I was off buying a stupid four cylinder Camaro <laughs> with air conditioning. Was the plan to put a big engine in it or something? I no, mean, I, nobody I, buys a four cylinder. <laughs> I I only cared about the look. It was uh, red. It did have wide tire. It looked like there must be something in it, and it was loud actually, probably because there's a leak in the manifold or something. So it looked. It had the look, but. Put your foot in it, and it would just, I can't do this. Oh, stop it. 
<sighs> oh, that's great. I kept that car years and then I traded it for a big truck. Uh, uh, it was like probably an 80 Chevy Silverado. Oh, so you went, you went full barrel rock and roll straight to full barrel country. Yeah. Straight up redneck. 36 inch, 36 inch tires and a six inch lift kit. Good gracious. It was a beast. You, I was in college. Michelle was dating me at the time. And you could see that truck from everywhere. <laughs> when, when Michelle saw the truck for the first time, what was her reaction? She was not impressed. Uh, she was she, just like, ooh, look at that. Yeah. I mean, talk about, and it did not have air conditioning. Where there had been a stereo, there was a hole. I, I just wanted, I thought, man, this truck will be cool. It got five miles to the gallon. <laughs> And it, it, cause it had a big old V8 in it. And, and no, no, that's with no air. Conditioning. Oh yeah. No air conditioning. It'd be so funny to drive to church. She'd come out and on the, her side, it had a fold down or like a, whatever, fold down step on a spring so that I could pull that down and she could step on it and climb up into it. On my side, there wasn't anything like that. So I just jumped in there like a, you know, 20 year old hot shot. Five miles to the gallon. Fired that thing. It was loud. With no air conditioner. Mm-mm. I think, I, I don't think it had, I know it didn't have mufflers. It was loud. So it just had straight pipes out the back and it was. And <laughs> she rode in that with yeah. you? I can't, like driving that, down the freeway between Lakeland and like Tampa or Clearwater to go to the beach. It sounded like <laughs> it was a beast. That's love right there. Yeah. Did she sit real low in the seat so you couldn't see her or anything? <laughs> nah, she was like, hey, this, is, this, this is how it is and this is how it is. I know her wow. friends must have given her <laughs> heck for it. How did you shoot so high? I don't know. It's just I was hot <laughs> in my youth. Like you blindly threw a dart and hit the bullseye. That's true. That's true. Unbelievable. Yep. That was man. We've been married twenty nine years. So that was well. I got that truck probably two years before we got married. So that was thirty one, thirty two years ago. <laughs> uh, I sold that thing to a car lot. <laughs> what was the next one? It, was, it had to have been a family car. It was. I, I still had a, a year of college, two years of college left. No, maybe a year. So I sold that truck to a car lot at an unbelievable loss. And that was the second stupidest thing I did. It was worth thousands, and I sold it for hundreds mm. to this dirt bag Ugh. car salesman. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, man, he was. I mean, not that they all are, but this guy, he was crooked and. Pretty much all. I walked right into it. Probably not every single. But. We have some that attend Coast Life Church. You guys are great, but there are crooked <laughs> ones out there. There are. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, after that, I bought, <laughs> I sold that truck for $800, which is stupid. The tires were worth more than that. And so I had $800 to buy something. And so we then we were going to college in Lakeland, Florida. And I found on a, like, I think it was called the Penny Pincher or you know, one of these, right, right. that's what it's called here, isn't it? So before we had Craigslist. Yeah, before all that, I had to find a car in the paper. The Craigslist of the early 90s. Yeah. And there was a guy in like St. Uh, Saint Petersburg or something south of Tampa that had listed a 80s uh, Delta 88, a boat. This thing was huge. Uh, it was a big black diesel Delta 88 <laughs> diesel for $700. And I was like, this is it. This is the only thing that we can possibly, I can, we can buy it right now for cash. And so I went down and paid the guy, took the tag that had been on that truck and put it on that car. I drove that car with an illegal tag on it until it blew up. <laughs> 
How long did it take? Uh, I think it got me through the year. We put a lot of miles on that car. It had a killer air conditioner, and it was so oh, smooth. Back to the air conditioner. Yeah, it was it it was smooth. And I, when I drove it back to school, some of my friends were like, they were. They, I think they had a bet on what kind of hoopty <laughs> I was going to show back up with. How can I buy a car for eight hundred dollars? It was going to be anything. So when I rolled in in that thing, and it was it was. It really, it didn't look bad. It was a big, shiny black Delta 88. Oh, I bet you were the. It was comfortable. You were the joke of the month. Oh, that, man. That but was, they were amazed. They are like, how did you get that car for that amount of money? And it really probably was worth more than that. But that diesel, what was amazing was it got like 35 miles to the gallon. The, the, like when you gun it, big puff of black Huge. smoke. Oh, man. Which I love to do. I would do it on purpose. I would put it in neutral and just I would have done it all the pump time. black smoke. Right. That was way before anybody was making up stuff about the like climate change. Yes, you can't you can't cancel people retroactively. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh man, I I thought that was the coolest thing to make a black cloud because I could and it would it was amazing. Now, hurting on this ozone layer. Yep, that's right. I saw that car broke. I sold it to a junkyard. <laughs> At least I had air conditioning. Yeah. This have you, is have you ever ridden in an old car from back in the 70s or 80s these days with the air conditioner going? Oh, yeah. They're terrible. Totally terrible. They, they just, I don't, they don't work well at all. Or maybe, maybe it's just hotter now. I don't know. Mm. You know, climate change and all that. Yeah. Must be. Who knows? <laughs> are, are, you a, are you a climate change you know, denier? You know me, Joe. I don't even... I just, I don't care. <laughs> like, the world is toast, ladies and gentlemen. There is no saving it. God can't wait to implode this mess. You think that'll be part of it? Uh, How we've treated the, the globe? Um, they were called, for a long time, they were calling it global warming. Yeah. Which is kind of the anti, or the opposite. So I'm a scientist. Mm-hmm. I understand the science of yeah. it. So they got away from global warming because everybody heard global warming and they thought, Oh, well, it's going to get hotter, but it's not really how it works. What it yeah. should have been is global wetting because it gets wetter. <laughs> yeah. So because of the heat, <laughs> because of the heat that that is basically the earth insulates itself with moisture, mm-hmm. the water vapor in the Me air. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So if the, uh, so the temperature of the earth goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Oh man! So, so if the temperature of the Earth goes up by a, like a tenth of a degree, you have so much water that goes huh. back into the atmosphere that it creates. What it does is it creates cycles of weather, mm-hmm. so thunderstorms or floods or hurricanes or whatever mm-hmm. that are worse hmm. than they were before, and that's why. Ask any insurance agent. Mm-hmm. Are we seeing more storms that are tearing stuff up? Or are we seeing less? Because they know they yeah. do the percentages, mm-hmm. and they'll all tell you it, it's worse now. Yeah, and it's all because of climate change. Right, uh, the Earth is getting hotter, and it's causing uh, more water vapor in the air to insulate the Earth and make it even hotter beyond that. Mm-hmm. So scientifically, that's what it does. Now, the the question comes. Cause. Is man responsible for it? Right. And that I can, even as a scientist, say we don't know. Yeah. So there's no answer to that. Yeah. I'm so thankful that that you are that sort of, that you have that sort of scientific mind. Because some of these guys that say, oh, we know people are doing it. I know they're lying. They don't know that. They're making it up. Well, the science they're not making up 
you, if in a no, I'm saying that they're saying container, that if you do the things that we're doing, mm-hmm. that's what will happen. Yeah, but there is no proof globally. That yeah, this is what's occurring. Yeah, because the trend is apparently yeah the trend is much older than yeah. we've been than our research well, will allow. And you you liken it to maybe like do you remember the ozone crisis back in the eighties? Oh, we're yeah. destroying the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't even talk about it anymore now. Yeah. yeah. And people say, well, it just went away, you know? And it's like, well, no, yeah. we stopped making these things called CFCs and putting, using them as propellants and mm-hmm. spray cans and things like that. And it grew itself back because yeah. we stopped polluting. That's what mm-hmm. happened. It's not, it didn't just magically go, poof. Yeah. This is why you can't. They stopped selling the, uh, what is that stuff in the, I'm back there at the air conditioner. Was that refrigerant? Oh, Freon? Freon. Yeah. Yeah, that Camaro. Yeah, the, the refrigerant has started leaking. It, it has changed yeah. every year, every couple of years for a long time. Yeah. Now there's only certain types you can get. And it's if expensive. You, yeah, and if you have old uh, air conditioning right. systems, you have to find somebody that, uh, so don't ask me why I know this, but <laughs> you have these people, these HVAC guys go around and they keep these empty containers, bottles where they can store refrigerant. Mm-hmm. If they come upon an old house that has an old mm-hmm. air conditioner, and miraculously these things are still alive and working, right. they used to make them right. But they make them now where they only last about 10 or 15 years. Well, if you come across an old one, you can't just open the valve and let the refrigerant escape into the atmosphere. You have to capture it. So right. what they've done is they've captured it and they keep it in these bottles. And then when they come across someone that needs more refrigerant in an older system, mm-hmm. they jack the price of the stuff up and they resell it to whoever it is. Wow. Make money that way. That's the market these days. Wow. But anyway. All right. So we, we got to move on. I don't know what we're talking about all this. <laughs> Climate change. <laughs> um. Oh, so what did your dad say, by the way? When you, I was thinking about my dad when I bought my first car. Oh, yeah. So I found this Nova, and I wanted it so bad. Uh, it had a 350 in it, and oh, yeah. I wanted to tinker with it, put a little cam in it, and mm-hmm. I wanted to go fast. You know, just like every other yeah. high school kid. My dad would not let me do that. My <laughs> dad was the cheapest guy ever. Like for air conditioning, we had the RD55 air conditioner in our car. Yeah. Roll down the windows and go 55 miles an hour. <laughs> right. It was awful. And even, even if we had we had an air conditioner in the car, he just wouldn't run it because it burned <laughs> more gas. It was terrible. Mm. But anyway, did your dad not step in at some point and say, look, <laughs> you got to keep this car? He he was like, Bleh. I think he felt like, oh, well, Dwayne is at least learning the art of the deal. Like, he's going to make good decisions or bad decisions. And so he didn't see, I mean, the, when I, when I sold that car, the first, my first car, my Cougar, I sold it for, uh, way more than I bought it for. So he was like, right on. He's making some money. I bought that Camaro. My dad was like, well, I don't really know a lot about that Camaro, but I got, I got a good deal. Like I haggled with the guy that was selling it and I got it for a pretty good price. And so I think he was tracking along with me. And then when I traded it for the truck, he, I think he was still was thinking that is a good trade, but then I blew it when I sold it. When I sold that truck to the dealership, I remember my dad saying, Dwayne, what have you done? Have you not learned anything? Never do that. And it was too late. I had already done it. And so then from the truck, from that big truck down to the Delta 88 till it blew up and I sold it to the junkyard. I think my dad had pity on me because he, uh, I was talking to him, told him all that had happened. And so he said, 
he said, there's a auction coming up up here in North Carolina. It was at the end of the school year. Get rid of that car, junkyard, get all your stuff home. So I had to rent a truck to get all my stuff home. And he said, we'll go to the dealership. And, I mean, go to the auction. A friend of mine is going to get us in. We'll get into that auction and we'll find you another better car. And so he loaned me the money to buy my next car, which was a 85, 86, maybe something like that. Uh, Chevy Blazer, an S10 Blazer. And it was uh, like sweet. Those. Yeah. Red and silver. It was in great condition. I got a pretty good deal because it was from a, the um, the auction. And I drove that thing until, well, until Kaylee was born Ooh. because we then needed a minivan. And so I sold that. that so you've always stayed on the American cars then. Uh, well, yeah, I have a Volkswagen now, though. Oh, yeah. That thing right. does nothing but cost me money. It's broken right now. I'm driving it today with a window. The back window's down because it just went down and it won't go back up. <laughs> I don't and uh, it, it, and there was a, a smoky smell. So something yeah. in there, there's an electrical fire in there right now. As we're sitting in here, we might go outside and it'll be on fire. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. The, I actually was the insurance. Yeah. yeah. And last night it rained. Like oh. I couldn't believe it. It hasn't rained in forever. And then last night with my, the back window down, it rained. So I was out there trying to cover up that window and laughing at myself. <laughs> But thankful for the rain because we needed it. Our grass was in desperate need. So I think we all have bad luck with with cars. Yeah, the the That's best right. luck I've ever had with Japanese cars. I owned a couple of Honda Accords mm-hmm. in my life. I owned a Nissan pickup, and those things, boy, they just yeah ran and ran. the the first car I ever had. My dad wouldn't let me buy the Nova, so he made me get this stupid Honda Accord. I'm like the only one. In high school, driving a little Honda Accord, a four-door Honda Accord. Oh, four-door. But, but it was a car. You know, I was happy yeah. to have a car, mm-hmm. which makes no sense because I paid for it. <laughs> it's like, he's making me buy this car. I don't yeah. even like it that much. Anyway, but that car, it would things on it would break, but the engine, it yeah. would go and go and go. I ended up, used it through college, sold it to a buddy of mine that was working down here for Little Caesars or something like that. He used it for four or five years, and then he gave it to his little sister. She went to college at Alabama with it. The last I saw, it had 399,000 miles on it. Wow. And she was getting rid of it because she was about to go to law school. Man. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if that thing's still going. And that little Nissan pickup I had had 200,000 on it when I wrecked it. Hmm. Or when somebody wrecked it it into me, I should say. Uh, (laughs) But... Japanese cars I've always had pretty good luck with. Mm-hmm. We had a prelude like that. That yeah. thing was was a great car. They're, they're tight. The American cars I've I had a couple of uh, Ford pickups. They've been pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. I like the um, the interiors, especially they're very user friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fords are Chevys are a little boxy for me. I'm not, <laughs> not fond of this. Man, I want. One. I love a Corvette though. I want a GMC. Sierra. Oh, yeah, those trucks. Yeah, yeah. They, they look great on the outside. Have you ever driven one? I've been in one. I ha- uh, oh, yeah, I did drive a friend of mine. For some yeah. reason, when you're driving, the the hood where it comes out and you look down mm-hmm. on a Ford, for some reason, it slants, and you can really see well out the yeah. front. But in those Chevys, you drive one, and it's – or GMCs, you drive one, and it's square on yeah, the front. Yeah, it's got a hump on it. You can't yeah. see as well. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. But, uh, you know, whatever. It's <laughs> – People like what they like. I, I'm gonna. I, I have faith in a truck. We just got to get this church building resolved, and then. Yep, that's right. All right. <sighs> Sorry, we digress again. I apologize, folks. Uh, 
I should go back and put a note in. So <laughs> that was 30 minutes. Forward 30 minutes. Oh, man. What? Why does it happen? All right. Moving on. So where'd you get the idea for the That's My Jam series? You know, when we were doing the, uh, as we were making our way through uh, I'm Second, we did that one week with the guy from Journey. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's his name? I can't now remember. Um, Edit that back in. <laughs> I don't know. Keyboard player. Yeah. Jonathan. Kane. Kane. Jonathan Kane. And it was actually the response to that was so positive. I, and I, I mean, I knew that there was going to be a positive response, but it was, it was extra. And I already had another series in mind. I was already sort of working that out, but the response to that Jonathan Kane, uh, emphasis Sunday, I changed my mind. I thought, man, we should build a series just around music. Oh, wow. And so that's what did it. I started that next week, uh, changing everything for what, for the series that was that uh, that is that we're now in. Uh, that's my jam. It took me a second to think. I talked to Dave, and I was like, "Man, what do we name it? What would it be like?" You do it, this. Really, it's very dependent on Dave and the band's. Oh yeah, because they have to songs. learn how to play the songs. Yeah. yeah, mostly not all of them, but most of them. I Dave didn't tell me to say anything, but. I, I can tell you that song that you used last week yeah. is hard to learn. Very hard to sing and to play. Yeah. It, I mean, it was. It does, when the when you're singing and the the things that you're singing don't correspond with the downstrokes. Oh, man, yeah. It's on the guitar. Yep. It's really hard to keep yeah. time. That song is, I was watching them because I understand that to some degree. And I was watching them count in their mind. They have the click track in their ear. Yeah, but, but that's for the music. Yeah. And so to watch the band plus him singing, and he was playing the same thing. Like the Coldplay guy doesn't play the Well, maybe he does play the guitar, but it wouldn't be right. singing. He's not playing the guitar. I think so, yeah. And uh, because he's you know narrowly focused on just the vocals. And Dave was doing both. Still played, still sang. Jason pulled his the riff off just right. And I'm yeah, he always does it. Right. He's good. And then uh, to see Ben sort of count off doing the drums and Charlie, this is interesting. Not everybody knows this. Charlie, the guy who plays the bass yeah. generally on the right or the guitar is blind. And so he has to memorize every song the week before he knew, I think he probably, I don't know how far in advance he knew, but he knew the song was coming. And so he had to memorize everything. The click track has got to be in his mind, not in his yep. ear, because if he covers his ears, he loses every contact to the outside world because he can't see. Right. And so he's memorized everything. He's counting down or counting up or he's got, he's got to get all the timing just right. And if you're not in a band, you wouldn't necessarily know this, but while the drummer is in charge, the drummer has always got his, I'm a drummer has always got his eyes on the bass player because the bass player, mm, that kick is, drum's got to be, it's got to be exactly right. And so, Charlie's doing without seeing anything in the room. He's only by hear and essentially feel, and just by the the timing in his mind, getting everything just right. And that song is extra hard, yeah, in every area. So the way that I I just knew all that was happening, and I was just so thankful for them. Like man, they did a really good job. If you didn't happen to watch or listen to Coast Life Church services Sunday this past Sunday, please do. It was a great Sunday. Still online if you want to go. go Be there forever. It. Yep. All right. So this whole that's my jam series, that was your idea? You didn't it wasn't like a Yeah, well I feel like it, you know, I was really inspired by that one really great uh Sunday morning with Jonathan Kane. That's that's really what 
gave me the idea of it all. all. Right. And so then I talked to Dave and we just sort of hammered it out. How, how do you pick the songs? I mean, have you picked them all going forward? Or uh, We have them all planned for this month. And loosely, I, I haven't talked to Dave about next month's songs, but I do have a list. And that'll be decided in the next couple of weeks, I suppose, for sure, which ones we're going to do. So no set list yet? To, to not there. Not really. Well, yes and no. There is a list, but we haven't... Uh, we haven't really finalized it all because we haven't talked about it. We both will probably have ideas and then we'll have to compare. And I may want to do it a couple weeks longer than we have been planning to do. So we'll see. That's all right. Yeah. Nowhere to go but heaven. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So are you going to use any of the old uh, gospel songs? Because you're talking about yeah. memories being associated with the songs. Yeah. All I can think about is there's a couple of songs when I hear them. Mm-hmm. Man, I got right back to that pew when I was nine years old and yeah you know singing that song me too a few weeks ago i mentioned that the chorus, the hallelujah chorus and uh, how that was playing the night that i first gave my heart my life to jesus oh yeah that's right dave listens to this podcast and he that next sunday he played it oh he came to the end of a song and he he added the hallelujah chorus to the or chorus or whatever it's called that hallelujah song to it and uh it was, I mean, worship was all, it's always really good anyway, but it was really good. He might maybe. Did he hear it on the podcast? He and, heard me talk about it. Oh, wow. So he added it. One of our four loyal listeners. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I knew that's why he was playing it because I don't think he's ever played it before. And I was, I was just, I had my head down and my eyes closed and it was just a great worship morning anyway. And as soon as he played that, I knew that he's playing it because we had talked about it. And I didn't look up though. I didn't, because I, I knew if I looked at him, he'd probably be looking at me. And so uh, I didn't. I didn't look up. I just stayed sort of where I was prayerfully, and uh, until after the service, he was like, "Did you catch that?" And I was like, "Oh, I caught it. I know what you did." Nice. I didn't even thought. Yeah. Like I'd have noticed, but I didn't. Yeah, it was. It was great because yeah, just like you just said, when that song plays, bam, I'm right back at that pew at Full Gospel Assembly of God in Cary, North Carolina, with my mom saying, "Why? What's happening? What's happening to you right now?" Dude, when you think of those old songs, is there one that comes to mind that? Uh... You remember? Or? Uh, well, you mean, yeah. Just the gospel songs. Oh, oh, yeah, church songs. Oh, certainly there's that one. And then there's this other one called, I think the name of the song is Jesus Hold My Hand. Uh, the church I grew up in was all hymnals. Was right, all the songs we were. were hymns. And so that happened to be one of my dad's favorite songs. And the lady who played the guitar, and, uh, guitar, the piano in the church that I grew up in, Mrs. Seymour, who Valeria Seymour, who has gone to heaven now. She was a killer pianist. Unreal. Like, I've just never known a pianist who could play the way she could. She was unbelievable. And she would tear that song up. It, it was, I mean, for, for a hymn, it was a pretty high energy song anyway. And then, man, once she would boom, 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 and she would just bang, take off like a rocket. And I, could, and my dad, I just knew every time that we sang that song, my dad was loving it. He would lead worship sometimes. And, uh, and, and, uh, he was really good at it. My dad's a, he's got a good voice. So does my mom. They're both really good singers. Mm. And so, uh, <laughs> and so have you heard Joanne lately singing? Yeah. She is really good. Really good. Yeah. She sat there in the pews for these years. She's been at Coastline oh, no. Church. Shame on, on her. On the sly. And, uh, we finally, I kept telling her, we're just going to give you a microphone right here. And I know I always, I always knew she was willing uh, but, you know, she was waiting for the opportunity, the invitation, I think. And yeah. so, her voice, I think, compliments Dave's pretty well when mm-hmm. they uh, when she backs him up. Yeah. Uh, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. The uh, the one song I remember, or 
if you asked me to come up with one, and my church, I grew up in the South, everything, it wasn't, it was all gospel songs yeah. and the hymnal, but it was more like country gospel, <laughs> I guess. Right. I don't know what you call it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there I was the song that always had the, the one that had like the sub chorus. <laughs> uh, it was called... <laughs> When the roll is called up, oh yeah, that, when so. the roll, when, when the, the roll, roll is called yeah. up yonder, I'll be there. Oh yeah, I remember that. I, I'll never in my yeah. life forget that song. And all the men would sing the the sub chorus <laughs> yeah. as the ladies sing the other part. Man, yeah, finish at the end. I just thought that was fantastic. But I mean, there were other songs. I mean, I can remember what was that. I'll, I'll fly away. Oh, yeah. Away, Some glory. I'll fly away. Yeah. <laughs> Some glad morning. And what was what's wonderful about all that is, in, uh, how, how, there is no other way to say this, in predominantly, it's all right, all Southern churches, there is a difference on clapping in one and three and two and four. Oh, yes. So the clapping on two and four is soul. Like, you, that's. I, I don't even know. It's just Southern soul, baby. So when you're like, if it's I'll fly away, it's I'll fly away. But white people will sing it like, I'll fly away. Oh, that's away. right. It's so boring. It like but man, if you you clap on two and four, it's like every, the whole room just lights up because, you know, clapping on the downbeat. And I'm a drummer. So I like that anyway. Mm. And uh, here around Coast Life Church, so you people don't clap much at all. What's, come on now. I see a lot of people with their hands in the air. Yeah, that's true. We do have, yeah, I guess you can't have your hands in the air and clap. Yeah. Well, you could, but that would look a little funny. Yeah. Speaking of which. I'm going to do it. Um, so we've spoken briefly about this before, and I don't even remember if we ever came to a consensus or not, but I'm going to ask again. Mm-hmm. So music is something that I personally believe is really important to us as humans mm-hmm. uh, on this earth. And I think it's important to God as well. Yeah. Now you can say that it's not, but if you do, I'm going to need you to explain to me why virtually every church leads their services with music or hymns or singing or whatever. Mm. So what is it about music that makes it so good mm-hmm. at evoking some sort of spiritual response in us? Yeah. People probably know this, but let me just say it again. The things that are most connected to our memories for the for the most the strongest one is actually fragrance, which is interesting. Uh, smell will uh, a fragrance, whatever smell. The smell of a biscuit will take you to Polk Drugs on Friday or during the week. You can get a biscuit anytime. But free a, on Fridays, a, a good, yeah, free on Fridays. But a, a good like you can. I know I will still like uh, a lady's perfume. I'll smell a lady's perfume and it will remind me of sometimes my mom it'll remind me sometimes of a teacher that i had in high school our memories are very connected to fragrances right behind that is music that that a song will take us to a place a time a memory that we would have never otherwise thought of unless that song had been played right then it's just because we have an, an, an emotional engagement to things that happen uh that affect us, you know, sort of deep in our psyche. And that's where music is, where our emotions are, things that immediately attach to our emotions. And so we do have an emotional connections to things. I mean, to, to fragrances, especially because of food and survival. And so there's, there's something about that that is, that's um, just a, a wonderful part of the creative process that God built into us. And then right after that, the next thing that touches us that deeply is, music and it's in scripture especially david who was very musical 
he would actually connect fragrance and music. He he said uh, about Jesus, uh, fragrance or taste, and taste and fragrance are sort of connected. He would say about Jesus, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he talked about how the Lord was a, a sweet smelling savor. And Jesus himself would, he described himself all through scriptures as being uh, uh I think I said delicious at some point, which isn't, when was, that was last Tuesday. There we go again. Yeah, I know. But there is, there's this uh, incredible association between music and memory that uh, is, is create creation driven uh, because God need, he knew that we needed something that could just push a button in us right away. That just immediately brings me to the realization that oh, Jesus is here. I'm in God's presence. And what, what could do that better than music? It, it's, uh, it's incredible. It actually really is incredible. So that, that is why, I mean, almost every church in the world has some sort of early musical uh, uh, worship experience in their service because it brings everybody onto the same page at all at once. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's remarkable. Let me, also, let me stop you for just a second. Yeah. Cause I want to clarify here. Mm-hmm. It, and, and I know this is a difficult question to answer because you're talking about the way people feel. Mm-hmm. So, and you can never from person to person yeah. explain each person. Mm-hmm. Do you differentiate between what is emotional and what might be called spiritual? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first, uh, generally, probably the emotional, their emotional response is first. And that's sort of like their emotional response is putting my hand on the doorknob. When I turn the knob and open the door, I've now stepped into the spiritual part. The emotional, spar- uh, the, emo- the emotional part brings me into the moment where I, I have access. If I choose to open the door, I, I have access to experience the closeness and presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—the right. the, the, the incredible proximity of Jesus—he's always around us. But you know, I have the music brings me to an emotional place where, okay, I can now I now have the opportunity if I choose to take that next step, or to to as I said to turn the doorknob to open the door, and to realize that He was there all along. And there's just what what better? I I know what it's like to like preach before there's been any music and afterward, and preaching before music. Or before worship and after uh, is very different. Is that how it developed in church, you think? To open the spirit, basically, to yeah. be receptive to the message that yeah. was coming? I, and I, and that, that was an old tradition. Like, a, a long, a, a tr- is tradition even the right word? It was a, a, an old practice. In the Old Testament, they would worship before there was speaking at, at uh, <clears throat> all through Passover and through synagogue in the New Testament. And still now, in, in Messianic Jewish churches and in... Um, churches that, that did not follow Jesus, or well, synagogues that did not follow Jesus still, where there is a gathering, even in Muslim, uh, well, they sing too. They sing. There's music. Oh, wow. Because it sort of steadies every individual soul. It, it, it does create an emotional connection between, between the person at the front and the people out in the crowd, but it also connects everybody inside. I've said this before too. I know that when we sing, we're all praying the same prayer at the same time. When does that ever happen? It can't, right, right. it can't happen unless we happen to be singing a song. And then suddenly we are everybody in the room saying exactly the same thing from our heart and our mind. Our emotions are sort of uh, are aligning in a way so that we are all at once saying, whoa, Jesus is here. Right. I, I'm, I'm aware of that. That's interesting about the Muslims. I didn't. Yeah, they use music are there, too. Are there like Muslim hymns or? 
Uh, they do have songs. So, you know, just a few weeks ago while I was traveling, uh, uh, you know, doing some mission stuff, some mission stuff in other parts of the world, I had a long layover in uh, Morocco, and which is not completely Muslim, but it is heavily, heavily Islamic. And man, several times a day, out loud is that all the, over the city. It's a call. Oh, to prayer. you're kidding. The call to prayer. And so their call to prayer is musical. And so is that what the songs sound like? Just like that, except worse. Wow. I mean, it's rough. Uh, so but it's I mean, like to, a, to me, like a snake charmer with those little, that's what it sounds like. It oh is. That's gosh. funny that you said that, but yeah, they, it is everywhere. And so <laughs> observant Muslims stop whatever they're doing, take out their, their rug Face it toward Mecca. They carry that rug around? Some of them do. Not not all. I, I only saw very few people doing that in public. But I did see some people in the time for prayer. You know, it's it's signaled by a song being sung by some right, guy right. somewhere, and it sounds tragic. But <laughs> uh, they're moved by it. For them, that's a part of their, you know, their upbringing. And so they are, they're moved by it. They're reminded by it. Oh, this is the time that we are going to now pray. Can you sing that again so we can have it in our heads? No, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> And so they face Mecca from wherever they are and uh, all at once pray, if not the same, very similar prayers all at one time, which I, you know, I could really now go on a rant about Islam in the way oh, that sorry, it, I didn't mean to bring it that. mimics Christianity yeah. as Satan is wont to do. Right. Uh, so, yeah, there, there is a, you know, there is sort of a fake effort that is all emotional that never really does translate into a spiritual connection with Jesus. But for we who are in Christ, we find is that what we get when we hear songs that aren't necessarily spiritual, but they touch a memory that we have or something like that? So you hear, for example, somebody hears a love song oh, about yeah. that they associate with a their husband or wife or something like yeah. that. They might get emotional. Yeah, about it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, the emotional response that we had to a song back in the day is the same one we'll have again when we hear it now. Uh, in our wedding, we had one song by White Lion. Uh, Which one? I can't, and I can't remember the name of it. Oh, you're in trouble. Oh man, sorry, Michelle. I can't. She won't remember the name of it either. But uh, as we walk Golden Isle, I bet she down does. the pretty. I, I just don't remember the name of it, but I remember the song. Uh, White Lion. Yeah, I know. It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably afford them at a wedding right now <laughs> if you wanted to. Have them. I wonder if they're still around at all. You think they are? In your 30th anniversary counter next year? Oh, yeah. We should just you should hire here. them out. Let them come down. <laughs> and play that song. Yep. Uh, it's not I'll Be There For You, is it? I'll be there. No, that's not that. Oh, that's that's Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. I got. I wrote that. That was on there, too? You had that at your wedding? No, no, no. I would have, though. Man, I wanted to be that dude. I still do. I saw a video of him the other day. That, he's way older than me. Still a good-looking guy. Totally a Have dude. you ever been to a Bon Jovi concert? No, I never did. My wife carried me to one. Huh. Surprise. She you know. carried you to one? Yeah, That's she, she took me. She paid for it and everything. I have she, an she image of carrying you. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, not quite. <laughs> she doesn't have the strength for that. Although she's in really good shape right now. But no, she couldn't carry me. Like a piggyback. No, 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 no. We, she got tickets to a Bon Jovi concert. And she know I'm a sucker for those Man, 80s rock and roll I stuff. I would love it. So uh, this started a long time ago. I have some sort of sickness. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I have to see all the good bands live. <laughs> and I just love live music. Yeah. I don't know why, but whatever. So we drove. This was it's probably been four or five years ago. We drove to Birmingham 
uh, they had the concert there. It was mm-hmm. a Bon Jovi concert. We stayed over the weekend, hung out. You know, Birmingham's a nice place. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it got to the very end of the, well, he had a new album out at the time. It was awful. We tried to listen to it on the way up there. It just wasn't that good. Which one was it? Oh, Lord. Uh, something about build my house on her. Something about it. There was a tree on the front of the album. <laughs> what? It's like. How, when, what year was this? Uh, Maybe it would have been 17-ish, 18-ish. Oh, not long ago. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I lost track by then. Maybe 19. I don't remember. But what he did was during the <laughs> during the concert, they did all the songs from the new album first. Uh-huh. And then he said, all right, you guys ready for some old stuff? Of course, and everybody went nuts. Yeah. Well, when it got to the very last song and probably the most popular Bon Jovi song in the history of <laughs> Earth is Wanted Dead or Alive. Oh, yeah. So he played the first part of it, you know, the descending <laughs> guitar and all that. Yeah. And then it got to the to the verse and he sang the first few words of the verse and then he just stopped and he kept playing the song. Yeah. The crowd sang the song and man, it was powerful. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Hmm. But the concert wasn't really all that good. It was just that one part, which is a shame. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. they've made some good music over the years. Yeah. And no idea why I told you that story. I don't know either. But anyway. <laughs> it's good, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever been to a concert that's not, uh, that wasn't a Christian concert. Ooh. Ever. I don't think I've ever gone to any of them. My, my They're first. so expensive. They are now. <laughs> my first concert was in 1984. It was uh, Kiss. Oh, whoa. And uh, they had this opening act, Wendy O. Williams and the Plasmatics. It was... Are they still around? <laughs> she's not. She died of uh, HIV. Oh, boy. Uh, that's That took a turn. It, it was... Awful? Terrifying oh. and amazing all at the same time. <laughs> they had these... The, the whole stage was a big cannon. Uh-huh. The, the drum turret was on top of the cannon. Yeah. And it would come out and turn towards the audience and shoot fire at you. <laughs> and then they had these big fire things on the side. This was back at the beginning of pyrotechnics, I guess. Right. These big, <laughs> huge flames would come up probably 20 or 30 feet in the air. And when they started, man, you could feel it way back in the back of the Coliseum. Oh, whoa. So, of course, I came out of there. My eyes were like saucers <laughs> there were people so drunk they were vomiting all over the place oh, i just that it was just mayhem and i was like yeah <laughs> this is awesome oh, our so, youths were very different <laughs> after that it was like i had to see them all <laughs> well i told you my my uh my mom thought that kiss you know remember do you remember they were oh kids in satan service yeah oh yeah all that stuff well <laughs> My parents thought the same thing. They wouldn't let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one of my dad's friends, his son, had an extra ticket, and they invited me to go. And I wanted to go. My dad said no. Well, for some reason, they were promoting it on on TV or something, and he watched an interview with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, these guys aren't for Satan. They're just a couple of idiots. <laughs> he said, yeah, you can go to that concert. <laughs> these guys are harmless. Yeah. And th- that way, they were harmless. But. Yeah, it, 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 whatever. It just, uh, after that, I, I had to see everybody live. That was great. And I've seen some good ones, man. Christians too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I saw some really great Christian concerts. I saw Striper back in the day. They were awesome. <laughs> I never, uh, I just, I just think of Christian music back then. Did you, Striper was here? Yeah. Are they coming? Recently. Are they going to be here? Maybe it was 
was it last week or this week? I, I just saw the billboard. I was like, whoa, Striper. Yeah. my uh, One of my friends is a runner huh. for one of the casinos. Yeah. He's, he's going to be their runner. Oh, for free. He'll get to go to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. He gets to it. see all the concerts, but he has to do the uh, running before. So they come into town. You know, it's uh, like, yeah. hey, man, I need a new pair of jeans. All <laughs> right. But he gets to meet all the bands, which is yeah. cool. He had Billy Idol one time. Huh. Uh, he said he was really cool. The, the, uh, oh, wow. Threw his bike in the back of his truck, drove him down to the boardwalk, and uh, he rode his bike up and down the boardwalk all day. <laughs> it's just Yeah, because if you do. saw him on a bike, you would be like, uh, was that Billy Idol? <laughs> yeah. But. Apparently, he would tell you if you stopped him. Oh. Like, yeah, that's me, mate. Come to the concert. He <laughs> yeah. He gave do some, his lip. Gave some, yeah, he gave some tickets away that night. Man. But I uh, said he was a really cool guy. And there's other guys you wouldn't think that uh, are that way that are just. Yeah. Buttholes. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you didn't hear it from me, but uh, Jamie Johnson may be that way. Oh, really? Yeah, I like uh, his music, too. Hmm. But whatever. It's easy to start thinking that you are as great as people think. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we don't all get famous and rich and all that stuff. <laughs> well. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> We're over an hour already. Golly. Wonder why. Okay. So we spoke about the topic of music and how it evokes a spiritual response. You mentioned the fragrances. Are there any other things that you can think of that might evoke this kind of response from the spiritual Self. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we kind of crave that. We'll, we'll have a, a just a really moving experience at church or you know, all the kids are about to go to camp. The teenagers, the younger kids have already had camp this summer so far. I mean, already. And I think we'll sort of crave that. We'll have a what, an experience that is especially moving, really emotional. And we kind of want to have that again. And we feel like, man, I, I, wow, I can't wait till the next time I have a chance to experience that. Well, the truth is there's always an experience to have uh, an emotional connection with the divine. Certainly worship, as we've talked about music makes that uh, a little easier, maybe even a lot easier. It just helps, you know, center our, our, our focus, but also conversation. Like, you know, if I say the word prayer, sometimes people's eyes kind of roll over. I mean, uh, not roll, roll back in there, roll back in there. Yeah. A little right. bit like, Oh yeah. Prayer. I know. I know. So I just want to say, I want to say that a little differently. Like right now, people are listening to our conversation, to you and me talk. God bless them for this hour about whatever all we've talked <laughs> about. Uh, but they're listening. And I know, and people keep saying to me, like, they just would love the, they would love to be in here and, and listen to it like right here in this room to just be a part of it. Really? That's what, yeah. I know, it's so funny. <laughs> Who are these crazy people? Uh, um, there's probably medication for that, but please don't take it. We want you to listen. And if you get it, come to Polk's Drug. <laughs> <laughs> free biscuit friday free biscuit friday yeah. uh so that this is how I, I wish that people would see prayer i want people to see prayer the way they imagine you and me talking mm -hmm. because this it is uh, this is what prayer is supposed to be like my conversation with god your conversation with god just two guys or a guy and a lady it's, i mean god's always a guy so so just sitting down or whatever, driving in the car, whatever, and just having a chat about about anything, talking to him about anything. Not not all the, uh, you know. There's no, there's no special cues. There's no special pattern. I mean, Jesus, when the disciples ask him, Jesus, please tell just tell us how to pray. He was like, Well, here, here's some words for you. Um, 
he gave him a guideline because they wanted one. We don't have to have a guideline to talk to him. We need to get in the habit of having a conversation. And some people would then say to me, yeah, but well, I can talk to him, but I don't hear anything back. Perhaps. Uh, not, not out loud. Perhaps you're not going to necessarily hear his voice. But I know that when we talk to him, he does respond. He wants to. In fact, I've said also many times, he's always saying something. We just have to get in the habit of listening. And that is, that, that is why people enjoy worship so much, because it does, it makes that, that the, that communication so much easier somehow, because it is, it's immediately emotional because the, the music is emotional and the words are generally just right. in in whatever song it is, we happen to be singing, there's a, there's an immediate connectivity. So what we, what, uh, what I want to do when I'm having a conversation with God is I want to to, to experience that same connectivity, which is to say things that are meaningful, but then to also listen. I don't have to be in a worship, uh, a worshipful atmosphere to have a good conversation with Jesus. But not, let me say this. So there are some people who just have to have music playing. They need some songs playing and the, they want some songs playing in the background. And that helps. I'm that way. That helps that conversation. I, I there, M- Michelle is really that way. Uh, and I, I still now she'll be listening to music. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's two thirty in the afternoon, and why? Why are you playing that right now? Why is it? You seem a little like somber, and and she's like, I'm praying. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about that. I, don't, I didn't, I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> I bug off, dude. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she, I mean, she doesn't have a bad attitude, but uh, there have been times when I was like, what are you doing? It's like, stop it. And she's like, I'm praying. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hell. Sorry, <laughs> and I had to walk away. Um, I, that there's, I mean, for, I'm I'm really not necessarily that way. I don't uh, I don't really think about man. When am I going to listen to some music again? Um, but I think that makes me weird. That's not normal. It's really probably abnormal. That when I listen to the radio, it's generally I'm learning something, not listening to something. And uh, so if. If, uh, for those of you that might struggle to find some emotional connection to God when you when you pray, when you have a conversation with Him, go ahead and turn on some music that just helps your heart, helps your soul steady and maybe refocus. And you can even pray the song, pray songs that you know, pray songs that you're listening to. Let those words become your words until your words take the place of the words that are in the song. It's uh, th- that that I think that's a really good practice to have worship be an ongoing experience, not just the music on Sunday, but we, we worship him constantly. We should worship him constantly in one way or another. And uh, if, if, if you find that music is especially, uh, especially helpful, the truth is you're not alone. So does almost everybody else. Then use that and, and uh, let God speak to you through it. I mean, sometimes a song, it's kind of like reading the Bible. Sometimes, sometimes a song that I've heard many times will just, what do the kids say these days? It'll just hit different mm-hmm. than it has before. It'll it'll mean something different to me than it has in days previous. And, I didn't uh, know you were down with the young person. Uh, I, can, I can't stop myself. I'm so hip. <laughs> I hear you. I'm rad. Word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. Okay. <laughs> so while we're on the topic of music, I have kind of sort of a related question. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this to come off the wrong way. But just hear me out all the way first. Oh, gosh. So some people seem to be born with an ability to be artistic or creative or whatever you want to call it. 
it's just a, a, a God-given talent or some sort of propensity for creating things that are, that are uh, melodically or aesthetically mm. pleasing yeah. to others. Yeah. Art, music, things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, these people, and I don't want to make this a political thing yeah. uh, because that stuff just isn't very interesting to me. <laughs> but I do want to know, is there something intrinsic in these types of people who have these particular types of talents to gravitate toward things that don't, and this is just to me, I'm not speaking for yeah. anybody else that just don't always seem to be right. Does yeah. that make sense? Of course. And, yeah. And I'm not, it'd be easy to use the political out. Why are these people always liberal? You know, sure. but I don't mean it like that. Yeah. I just mean that they seem to see things in a different way than I do a lot. Mm-hmm. And I like to think I'm kind of creative, but I'm nothing like some of these <laughs> musicians and artists and things like that. Yeah. Why, why do their do their brains function in a way that is just counterintuitive to the way that I think or the way that God thinks? Well, I'm certainly a part of that. If we think about people that we've already uh, talked about just this morning, uh, like I think Bon Jovi is a good, for instance, John Bon Jovi, when he was just a teenager and had this, had in mind... Uh, uh, probably like a lot of, of young guys do good voice. He was a good musician. He was had some other good musicians around. And so, you know, let's make a band and let's go be famous. Uh, and as it happened, you know, it's like winning the lottery. They did very well and continue to do uh, pretty well. It seems in like today uh, for him, they, I, I don't know about them all, but I know that his, he had a, a really I would, I'm going to say a good, he had good influences in his life when he was younger. And that has sort of borne itself out in his public persona. Generally, it seems as if most of what you can find out about him is a good guy, loves his wife, has been cautious about his family and about his fame. And even though he has been super famous uh, through his life, he has remained, it seems, I don't know the guy, obviously, but it seems from at least external observations Good dude, good heart, good intentions, and has had, it seems like, some faithful background. I've mentioned that about Coldplay, too, since we used a Coldplay song Sunday, that there was some some positive influence, at least in their history, that made its way forward. But some of the other, like you mentioned, Kiss, go back in Gene Simmons' history, he will struggle to find any good influence in any of their lives. I mean, I remember when, uh, which one became a Christian? It was, was it Paul Stanley? Negative. I can't remember. He and he and Simmons are both Jewish. Uh Um, Ace Freely was a Christian. He's the one that became. All right, I could not remember who it was. That's right. I think Jewish. Crisuolo. I think he was Catholic. Uh huh. So uh, him. He aside. I I don't know Ace's his background at all. But yeah, I, I do remember. Man, it was a huge story when he became a devout, like Christ centered sort of guy. Uh, a Christian, a Christian. It was just so remarkable. I, 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 don't, I don't know what his background was um, and how that came to be. Um, but then I, so then I think about other guys, Eric Clapton, great musician, incredible songwriter, no interest in anything that's righteous. In fact, my, a lot of what he has said, sung and done is quite anti uh, a, a Christian. And, and uh, you, you said you wouldn't necessarily want to be Political, but sometimes, but, some of the but that's the kind of just that's the kind of person I'm talking about. Yeah, how do they? Why? What is it about them that they can be so talented, and somehow it seems like they're talented will just take them to 
the left if we're just going to use you know a direction. We'll take them away from things that seem to be that we know are good, right, and true, and holy. And so I think what I started to say, and I went on my own little rabbit trail there a bit, is it has it must have so much to do with the influences in their life and their upbringing. Who who were their role models? What was their early motivation? And even their what's their ongoing motivation? And if a person's uh, a person with some of these with some incredible talents, like those who have become famous and uh, you know world history for all kinds of things, music, art, uh, poetry, all this, all of the things, all the uh, acting and all the bit. Those people who do become famous because of what they've done have to take a test, and it's a pride test. And uh, those who have had role models who encourage them to uh, to gain attention, to draw attention, to keep attention, to have everything be about them because of their gift, they are going to be, they're very likely, not always, but they're going to probably become arrogant. And pe- arrogant people obviously have a pride problem. And people with a pride problem have got to protect that pride. And so the only way to do that is for them to go on being all about them. And you can't, I can't be about me and be about what's good at the same time. I can't do that. I I just have to do what serves myself best. And what serves myself best is keeping my pride polished and clean. And the only way I can do that is by making sure that everybody likes me, everybody agrees with me, and whatever seems popular, I better just agree with what's popular. Because if I don't agree with what's popular, then I'm going to become unpopular. And that, at least, and they will perceive themselves uh, that way. Do you think... From, from the point that when they're young and they're being raised and things like that, mm-hmm. do you think that also contributes to the artistic ability? Well, that's something I, I, I certainly would contribute to the way in which that artistic ability is used. I, I think that those gifts are, they are supernatural gifts and, uh, there has to be something about the way that that gift develops. There has, there must be a sort of an effect on the development of any sort of gift that I, you and I, or anybody that anybody has. I, you, you hit on a good point right there. You said supernatural gifts. Yeah. Because some of these things that these people are capable of mm-hmm. are just beyond mm-hmm. what a normal person could yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Like, I'll see somebody playing a guitar. You know, I, I, I'm I, not a guitarist. I have I have guitars, and I can play them, but I am not a guitarist. And But I will see these guys. In fact, you. You are a good guitarist. I've seen you. <laughs> play that's debatable (laughs) and uh i watch your fingers or we talked about jason and and charlie yeah jason Um, especially man to i i see you guys doing the things that you can do and i'm like i got the same hands you do i got the same fingers i understand the guitar i can play it and hold it i know how to do it but i can't do that why can't i do that now i know in lots of obviously uh, lots of times it has to do with time (laughs) practice energy bloody fingers like sometimes you got to earn it but you also know that sometimes some of these guys just do it. They just pick it up and they have some kind of gift. Yeah. The, the, just there's certain artists, Beck, for example. Yeah. The guy plays like 18 different instruments <laughs> or something. Yeah. And sings. And it's like. It doesn't make any sense. He has some sort of supernatural ability. Yeah. To recognize what's going on in these instruments and yeah, it's to make inanimate objects make sounds that <laughs> are pleasing to the ear. Yeah, it's incredible. And I do think, you know, I talk about the... the, the Super liberal guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I It is a silly phrase, and you've, you've probably... We've all heard people say this, make a deal with the devil. 
I don't really believe there is any such thing. Like yeah. these people sell their souls to the devil, like act like there's a contract and the devil comes and says, if you do this, then I'll do this for you. <laughs> so you don't think Robert Johnson met the devil at the crossroads? No, that's silly. <laughs> the devil's got better things to do or worse things to do. But I do, I, what I do believe is that, that people who have these supernatural gifts that, that they, they uh, that God and his great ability to give us to give us gifts to use for his glory. He certainly does, but that the devil does have counterfeits and uh, that there are people who, while they didn't sign a contract with the devil, what they have done maybe consciously subconsciously is they have taken whatever gift that they have been given uh, in whatever supernatural way it was given to them born with or whatever, you know, you see these prodigies, kids that can do incredible things. So these adult prodigies who take the gift that they have and they use it for unrighteous things. They, mm. they commit themselves fully to, to their own fame, which is idolatry. They commit themselves fully to their own recognition, their own wealth to their, you know, even building for themselves a legacy. And that is all idolatry. They have sold them. They have in a way sold their soul to the devil so that they can enjoy the, 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 the benefits of their gift in this life. But then when this life is over, they go and stand in front of Jesus with whatever gift they had. And then he says to them, what did you do with what I gave you? There's a story about this in the Bible, God right. having given gifts to someone. And, uh, you know, this one guy essentially selfishly hiding it, keeping it for himself rather than using it to, to, to bless the master and Jesus is going to say to these people, I gave you these gifts. You had this incredible ability to fill in the blank here. What did you do with it? Well, I became super famous and now the world knew my name and they sang my songs and Jesus is like, yeah, that was really precious. But what did you do? What did you do with it? And their ultimate answer will be not a thing. I didn't do anything with it. I, I buried it. I mean, publicly, it would have seemed as if I was amazing. But when you stand in front of Jesus, when I stand in front of Jesus, everything that I have accomplished here that wasn't for him is going to seem really small, very insignificant. And uh, so you think they'll have to answer one day? Oh, I know they will uh, for being given those talents and not using them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In a way people, that was constructive. Can you imagine what it will be like to be some of these people again? Maybe some that we've talked about today who, having experienced incredible, we'll say, fame in this life, when they stand in front of the Creator of everything and have Him say, "What did you do with what I gave you?" <laughs> and them say, "I used it for myself because I wanted wealth and fame for right. the few years I was alive." No, thank you, Melba. Don't want to have that conversation. No, sir. I want to, whatever it is that he has given me, I want to bring it back to him and say, I did all that I could to use it for your glory. And you were kind to bless me with it. Thank you. But I just wanted you to be glorified. It's good to be home, Jesus. And then have him welcome me home and say, well, you've, you've, you've done well. He talks about this good and faithful servant. I gave you what I gave you and, and you did what you could with it. Well done. Do you think he'll do the same thing with those who... Maybe aren't as talented, but have talents in other areas. Yeah, you know, it's so it's so wonderful that it's a wonderful and it's a shame we we do we just celebrate sort of the big uh, big that's the wrong word we celebrate types of talents uh, more public talents like we've talked singing uh, music the you know the the uh, uh, um uh pr not production what is a stinking word. Uh, the, the, the talents that people have that are on public display where, mm -hmm. you know, you get to stand in the crowd and people in the crowd sees and hears what you're doing or, right. or looks at what you've done and they celebrate it. With that. So that's what we all do. Uh, it's just natural. But everybody has 
there are people right now that are, they just are going to disagree with me, which is, makes me a little sad because they can't see their own. But we all have gifts and talents. Some of some of you right now listening have talents that, and I, I feel like you probably do know you have them, but you downplay them because nobody else ever talks about them it's to. Uh, to listen, to care, to see, to hear, to do the things that we do that are maybe more on the down low. I mean, that's just, you know, there's so few people that get up in front of people. So few people get recognized in a crowd uh, because there's not, I mean, there's, the, the need for that is relatively limited. So what we need, the talent that we need in the world, you know, worldwide is for people who can serve and encourage and help and, and, and help heal and just to do all the things that everybody that we know does. Those are all important talents. God, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like Jesus is going to say to any of us, well, I gave you a big one. This was a special talent that you had. I think they're all special. Mm. And, uh, and let me give you an example and you tell me if I'm on the right track here. Yeah. So I have this daughter (laughs) whose name starts with a J. Yeah. You know who she is. I love that kid. Uh, Great kid. She's going to listen to this one for she sure. She probably will, yeah. She knows now that we talk about her occasionally. Yeah. So ever since she found that out, she's like, oh, I got to hear them all. <laughs> so she listens. Well, she's just graduated from high school. She's about to go to college. And like any kid, she's not 100% sure, I want to do this, I want to do that. Yeah. But she's kind of settled for, she wants to be a trauma nurse. Yeah. Great profession. Right. Um. Nursing in and of itself, it's a difficult thing to go into, yeah. uh, especially with the things you have to see and do. Uh, I know I couldn't do some of those things. Oh, man, yeah. But I tell her sometimes, like, look, I, I get that you want to be a nurse, and that makes sense. And if you're really called to do that, then that's what you're going to do. Yeah. But stop and think for just a second. I'm telling you, I'm your parent. Mm-hmm. I'm a medical professional. Yeah. I've seen people come up through the ranks and do different things. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you have the ability to be to go all the way. Yeah, you could be a physician, you could be a surgeon, you could if you want to go medical the medical route. Yeah, why not go all the way, right? And do it all and be the one at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. You have enough talent to do it. Yeah, and I would tell any real. Be honest. Almost any nursing student is this way. If you can get through nursing school, yeah, keep if going. You can get through pharmacy school, right? You can do medicine. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I yeah. So I encourage her to consider being a physician rather than a nurse. Hmm. Nothing wrong with being a nurse. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, That's not yeah. what I'm saying. Sure. But if you have the talent to go further and to have an impact on more lives or to, um. You know, as a physician, you might have the opportunity to cure someone of a disease or mm-hmm. to do research on diseases and, and cure them and things like that. It just seems to me that if you settle for nursing just because you don't want to go to school for three more years, are you really doing what God's calling you to do? Or Because yeah. there's a line there that you don't want to cross. I want my daughter to be happy. Mm-hmm. That's that's It's not the most important thing. And I've come to recognize that as I've gotten older, but it is important. Yeah. You don't want to go into a job that you just despise. Right. I don't want her to do that. Yeah. I think the, probably the, the, the term that you just used that is the, it's the make or break term is the settle. Uh, so there are, I know right now that there are uh, nurses, ladies and gentlemen who are nurses that are a part of Coast Life Church and who knew 
this is what I am called to do. I am called to do this because of the the requirements, the responsibilities, the 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 sort of hands-on, interpersonal, uh, the the healing. This is going to sound too ethereal, but the sort of the healing touch that nurses alone have, uh, because of the way in which they have to interact or get have to get to must interact with all of their patients. They just knew that this is what they were called to, and so. If uh, sometimes what people will do is, I think they'll kind of do the opposite of what you described. Like God has said, this is what I want you to go and this is what I want you to do. And then people will get to that place and then they'll overshoot it. They're like, nah, I want to do better than that. And it becomes like, it can become a pride issue. Now, for the same is true, though. If someone is called to to continue in their ed- education and, uh, and, and, this isn't not just in the medical field. This could be in any area. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't mean that nurses were settling. I yeah, no, no, I didn't. No, nursing is hard. It is really hard. God yeah. bless them. Uh, man, all that they do, God bless them. Yeah, I didn't mean to discount nursing no, I, by I, any means. I didn't mean that that's, I, I, you didn't. Um, so what, uh, but I think also what happens is there are people that are called to, to study longer, you, that God is expecting them to, to, to move to to keep moving forward because there is something that they are especially gifted in that will require some more time to prepare for and they don't want to do it instead they're like no I don't I just don't want to I don't want to spend the time I don't the effort the money what whatever it is and so they'll stop short of their calling and I mean that could be a person that God has said I want you to to, to make your life and career in ministry nursing and they they don't do it they don't even go they they don't go that far he could say i want you to you know there's even the sort of the different i don't understand all the letters but there's like lpn and rn and some other n and then the nurse practitioner and all that and the key is god where do you want me to go and what do you want me to do when i get there go to that place and do the thing that he's called you to do so if <laughs> your daughter whose name who starts with j and uh who has just graduated and our good friend who starts with B who there's live, their lives are so completely intertwined. It's amazing to me. They're such good friends and sweet girls, uh, but whatever it is that God has called them and every other person to do your son, the other son that starts with J and the other one that starts with J, whatever it is that God has called them to do. I think it's important. And, and me, whatever he's called all of us to do that we say this, this is God's goal for me. This is what he wants me to do. And if I, if I don't, if I don't follow him obediently into that place, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be dissatisfied. And if I try to if I try to stretch out beyond what he's called me to, then I'm going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to be dissatisfied. And so I think that is the key. Like God, where where can I we we get so wound up with this life. God, where can I where am I supposed to serve you and my fellow man in your name? Where is my perfect spot? And then uh, work toward that and not just be, not just be pragmatic, but I mean, we do have to be a little pragmatic, obviously, but to, to uh, really beyond that, to think spiritually, God, what, uh, some of this is, it's, it's a humble test. Father, where is the place to which you want me to go? And then not try to go beyond that place, but also Please also let, let me stay humble enough, but driven enough to get to the place that you want me to be. So if if for <laughs> if for young Jay that person that 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 spot is uh, uh, being a trauma nurse, then that's what God if that's what God has called her to, then she'll get there and she'll do great. And she could, of course, she could in the natural go on to do anything. Of course, she could. Um, but I mean, they're all. Uh, 
you and me and everybody we know with any sort of forward momentum, I could move forward from where I am, but that is not what God is telling me to do. And so what I say, what I've said to him is, God, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That's what I want. I want to just follow your, I want to uh, carry your yoke. Uh, yeah, yeah. Carry your yoke, pull your burden, or that's the other way around. Pull the yoke, carry your burden to the place where you want me to. And then sometimes he will say, now just wait, stand there. And he knows I, I am not good at that. I'm like, no, no, no. Next. What about next? What about next? And the best way to figure that out? Prayer, probably. It, it is by prayer. It is by calling, but it is, you've already heard her say it. Like, and I'm, I, re, I remember that feeling, not being absolutely certain about what was going to happen next. Sometimes the the process is the process. You just start taking steps forward. I feel, and if I sense this is the way I'm supposed to go, or this is the door that's open, I'm just going to go through that door. I'm going to go that way, and I'm just going to. That is what following God is looking for. Looking for the path that He has. Uh, that he has prepared for you and then staying on that path. And, you know, it was sometimes this, I since we were talking about medical professionals, I know that here, even uh, here at, at, at church, there were, uh, there were some several, I can now think of several, as it happens, they were all ladies, but they had moved into nursing and then God opened another door for them to go to the next level. And so they, they stepped forward in the next level and where they were like, okay, this is it. I'm, I am where God wants me to be. And then sure enough, he opens another door and he's like, nope, I want you to go this way. And and to the next level, to the and keep going forward. I mean, some of them from thinking, I'll, uh, I think an RN is what God has called me to do for the rest of my life. And I know in one case that lady is now a doctor and is 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 killing it. Huh. Uh, and 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 is you know people kind of want her all over the country. And uh, so sometimes the process will feel as if it it has a very defined uh, uh, sort of destination, which it does. For a while until God says, okay, you've done well here. And then he'll throw a door open. He's like, hey, how about this? Not, not that, That's not quite right. What he does is he throws a door open. And he says, hey, this, not how about this, but I think that's this. what the devil says, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, the, let me show you what yeah, I got. Yeah, the devil will try to, you know, we'll mess with you, but God won't do that. He'll open a door and say, you can, look, this is what I have for you next. Gotcha. And I know he's done that in my life lots of times when I thought, oh, well, maybe this is it. And well, sometimes I was arrogant. I was like, oh, this is it. And God smacked me down. And then uh, there was other times and humility when I was like, all right, God, what do you want smacked me to do? Smacked me down. <laughs> yeah. And other, other times he opens the door and, and kindly escorts us into something new, right, even right. more glorious. Okay. So moving on a little bit, a couple more things and then we'll be done. Um, you talked about one thing that is certain in this world and that is change. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you quoted in Mark chapter two, Jesus also spoke of its importance, uh, especially when he is aiming to fix what is broken in us. What is it about us that is so resistant to change, (laughs) even though we know it's for our own good? Yeah. I bet everybody already knows what I'm going to say. It's fear. Something about, oh, something about food? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, yeah, fear that we're not going to get enough food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, what happens if I can't afford my next Whopper? Uh, but it really is generally fear-based. We don't want things to change because we're fear. Uh, we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of how people are going to perceive us. We're we're certainly afraid of of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. And so, if when things are changing, we recoil from that because we're afraid of how this. 
of how this is going to go wrong. And, I, and sometimes, I mean, very pessimistic people just expect it to go wrong. As things, as soon as things start to change, there are folk. Some of you are with us right now. There are folk who just are certain that this is going to crash and burn. <laughs> there is no way that this change. Am I giving off that vibe <laughs> really loudly? <laughs> no, no, I, you're not that kind of person. Uh, uh, He's talking to you. <laughs> No, no, I'm not talking to anybody and shame on you. She does that too. You're not supposed, I can't believe, you're crazy. You're going to edit that right back. You you can say anything. We're going to the store to get some milk. She will come up with this craziest scenario about how we all get in a wreck. What is wrong with you? It's like, what? (laughs) Lady. If this, okay. if that, if everything he just says makes it into this broadcast, Taryn, I'm sorry he said it, and I don't believe anything that he said is true. She's neurotic sometimes. <laughs> She'll tell you she knows. You should take some of the own drugs that you sell. Some of your, the things you sell to people, you're you're you're, you're a dangerous ground right now. I'll see what I can come up with. <laughs> I, think uh, I, have, I think I have some aspirin now. <laughs> uh, wait, so. It, there's some of that in all of us, though. I, I, I've i talked about that before, how I've, I have fought with uh, fear off and on in my whole life. And it is, for me, it generally is the unknown. And if I'm out of control, I don't like that. I'm, I'm obviously very type A, sort of this sort of alpha guy. And I just want to be in charge. I don't like it when I when things are out of, are out of uh, my control. Or I can say that better. If I, if, if, uh, I mean, obviously, this church it needs way more than me, and so I don't like it if 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 I'm not in charge, then the person who is in charge, then I know that they are 100 percent in charge, and then I'm not worried about it. I just don't want to worry. Uh, but if 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 things feel a little a little iffy, I get really uncomfortable because <laughs> I feel like, uh, who's who's going to hammer that down? So do you get that way after we leave the podcast? Like, will he edit that? <laughs> no, out? I totally not? trust you. I don't, I, okay. that's, that's what I mean. Like, I'm never worried about that, except for what you just said about Taryn. I am worried about you in that area. Might take some of that. <laughs> uh, but it's, so it's not, uh, it's not uncommon. It's not unnatural. I mean, I think most people probably don't really, not everybody, but most people don't really love change. Now, people that are really adventurous, Man, they can't wait for something to change. They try to yeah. make things change, sometimes to their own detriment. They're just like, man, I'm just bored with this. I don't want this to happen. I just want to try something different. They can't wait for things to change. Uh, that doesn't really make me nervous. I kind of I, There's something about that that I like. Uh, I have a friend who said I'd rather try to reel in a wild stallion than, <laughs> than beat a horse <laughs> into doing something. He's like, right, it's just right. easier to calm people down than to get them going. And... Uh, uh, I, I, I feel like maybe there's a way in which, uh, that's kind of how we should look at change. If, if God's changing something, if something is changing, I think we should cautiously proceed not be foolish and careless, but say, all right, if it's, if, if change is coming, number one, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm, I'm not going to be, be afraid of failure or what people are going to think about this change or about the unknown. Jesus, I trust you, which is hard. It's a test that we always take. I know it, but uh, we can be certain that if we are in Christ, if we are Christ followers, then he's not trying. He's not. I talked about this a little bit Sunday. Uh, I'm probably going to jump out ahead of you right now. He's not trying to do something. He is making a, he's making a change and upgrade and update. He's making it available to us. He's making it possible. And he's not trying to make us, 
he's as I said, I keep saying the word try. He's not trying anything. God only does. And so he makes the change available and possible. And then, though, he does leave it in our hands, our will, and our ability to decide, am I going to take that step forward? The open door I mentioned before, am I going to go through that open door? Am I going to step into this change? Or am I just going to stay satisfied where I am? Right, I'm going to get right. stagnant here, but at least I'm safe and comfortable. Right. And talking about the word try, you clarified that in the mm-hmm. sermon the other day. Yeah. You said, if there was one thing I was going to change here, I would take out try because God does not try. Yeah. He simply does. He commands it. It's yeah. done. Whatever. Yeah. Um, however, uh, our free will, mm-hmm. something that he gives us as well, yeah. is clearly something that it plays a, a big part in the scenario of being fixed, so to speak. Yeah. And he allows us, I guess, to resist the fixing mm-hmm. as he has planned it or what what he's going to do with us. Yeah. Um, now, that thought in and of itself made me think of something else. Many people who are not believers in God, they use God's willingness to allow our free will to make our own decisions and to do things in a certain way as their reasoning mm. for insisting that he isn't real at all. Yeah. For example, why would a loving and just God allow a kid to get run over by a bus yep. or some sort of crazy sickness or death mm-hmm. if he were capable of preventing it? Yep. And as we know, the answer to that is deeply rooted in sin and our free will, our choices, yeah, uh, has nothing to do with him. So when a Christian is uh, confronted with this argument from someone who doesn't believe, how might they go about explaining this when making an attempt to witness to someone yeah, if who a takes person, this stance? Not if, when. This does. I, I get this question fairly regularly, I would say. Those... Wow. Uh, <laughs> all the places on the internet that you, yeah, uh, I do end up. Yeah. With the, and, but, uh, but also in person, uh, why do bad things happen to good people or why do bad things happen at all? If God is good, then why is there so much bad? Why does he allow the badness? And here's the hard, the hardcore answer is he doesn't. We do. It's my fault. It's my, it's the fault of my sin. It's the fault of, of selfishness and pride and, 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 and greed. And I mean, all, all the sins that are at work, all all the sins that are at work in the world, which are in the trillions a day, I would imagine, uh, are actively opposed to what God is doing. I mean, every time a person does something that they should not do, it is an act of rebellion against, I mean, whether they're a Christian or not, when non-Christians, non-believers sin, it's still an act of rebellion against what God has said is good, right, and true. And so when these horrible things happen, it is, it is not, it's not because God has, has, has allowed that bad thing to happen. It's because we have forced that bad thing to happen. Uh, there's a movie. What is it? It's, it's in theaters right now. And it, ha- it has to do with a, a human trafficking, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in. Oh yeah. My wife, the, Ladies at church went and saw that. Oh, yeah, there was, some, there was a group that went and saw that. I talked to a friend last night. 
who pastors a church in Texas, he and his wife went to see it and he called me right afterward and he was like, man, it was really good. Well, I need to go see it then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was talking to Michelle about seeing it and she's even feeling a little bit like it's gonna, it's, it might hurt too much. Cause it's a, it has especially to do with children and, and the way in which they are being abused in the world. And that sort of stuff gets in my head, makes me sick to my stomach. Blech. I study it. We fight with it. Coast life church is a part of resisting it all over the planet. Right. And I'm thankful that we get to do it. But the reason that there is so much like human trafficking, all these terrible things are happening because of sin. Somebody, I mean, it would really, it aggravates me that someone would say to me, well, if God is so good, why is there human trafficking? And my answer to that is because people are so bad. We are actively in opposition, acting in opposition and rebellion of him. And uh, so it's, it's our fault. It's the fault of humanity that we allow these horrible things to continue to happen. And, you know, for whatever resistance that we apply, the resistance of darkness in the world continues to outweigh the presence of righteousness in the world. There is still more darkness than there is. I mean, more felt, more, more experienced, more experienced darkness than there is light in the world. And so these terrible things happen. I mean, every bad thing that happens is a product of something somewhere sinful. Someone was breaking the law. Someone was acting out. Someone was doing something they should not do. And the, uh, there, there's an adverse reaction to that. Sometimes immediate. The, the, the scarier bit for a non-believer is that all of these sins, all these terrible things are going to be paid for that. God does not allow sin to go unpunished for we who are Christians. Jesus bore the weight of that punishment. He did it for us. For everybody else, they got to pay for it themselves, and we'll spend eternity trying to do that, and we'll never, we'll never be able to pay for the sin because the the cost, the price of sin, is actually a life, and so they will have to spend their eternity with trying to repay, of uh, trying to pay off sin with their own life. That is why the the answer to the question is why does why does God allow bad things to happen? Uh, the, the reason to that is he he's not allowing it in truth. His his the perfection of his plan uh, is anticipating him requiring payment for all of it. Every bad thing is going to be, uh, is going to have a payment required and that it is us doing it. Like I, so I again, when somebody asked me that question, I'm like, well, tell me when's the last time you did something you shouldn't have done. Tell me truthfully, when's the last time you sinned? And it will invariably be, well, today, you know, or yesterday, when's the last time you did something that you know was wrong? Even if you're not a Christian, you know, right and wrong. When's the last time you did something that was wrong? And maybe they'll hem on a day, a week ago, it's been a month, whatever. So that, that misdeed missed the mark, miss uh, that missing of the mark. That's what sin is. Uh, Perfection is the call and sin is when we miss perfection. So when, when a person sins, it just adds to the problem. I, I pile, I, I pile my sins on top of the big, dark mass of grossness in the world that is sin. And it, it's this disgusting sort of organism that just bleeds out. This is a really gross picture, but it just, (laughs) it bleeds out sin. It's so it's, it, it, it bleeds out its own vile spiritual. Yeah. Antichrist essence just all around the world all the time. And so spiritual diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, man, boy, that is a really good picture of what it is. That is, that is what sin does. We just feel like, well, I just, 
Yeah, we talked about profanity weeks ago. Well, I just said one bad word. No big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. When I sin, when I rebel, when I do what God has told me not to do, I say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. And he says, I do forgive you. My blood covers that. But as I also said back then, that sin propagates. It, it, it immediately attaches itself to every other sinful thing that's been done. And it just, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. And so that's a little more grossness, a little more sin, a little more rebellion that just oozes around the world. And the product of that is other lies, other deceptions, human trafficking, murder. It's all connected. It's all one big gross <laughs> stench pile of vile behavior that even as I am forgiven for it and no longer responsible for it, someone else is affected by it. Isn't that something that if I, when I'm driving, if I give somebody else the finger, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't do the number one sign. Yeah. If I tell them they're number one, uh, and I, and I mean, were I to do that, I would be like, oh, I was so stupid. Jesus, I'm sorry. I know that you're here and I really misrepresented you. And I've got a coast life sticker on the back of my car. And, oh man. <laughs> I'm so, please forgive me for that. You know what he does? He forgives it. But that guy driving down the road, he's got the angst. I've, I've, I've given it to him. I've, right, I've, right. I've now created a problem. And what's he going to now go home? Perhaps. I don't know who that guy is, but, or take it out on his kids, yell at his kids, kick his dog. I mean, and so the sin I'm free of it. I am immediately because of my repentance and because of Jesus graciousness, I'm free of it. But he's gone on and, you know, saw, oh, I knew that's how Christians were. I saw his Coast Life Church sticker and that dude gave me the finger and I was going to scream at his kids and hate church. And well, you who, don't think it about it. Think about it. You don't think about it that way, but yeah, yeah that's, it propagates. Sin is a monster. And we think like just a little sin, like there's tiny sins. No such thing. They this, are is all why, huge. this is why God doesn't differentiate in the type of sin. That's right. Because the outcome is vile. Yeah, all for all of them. Lie, cheat, steal, murder. All right. Same. One last question. So is there a limit on the number of fixed requests that God gives us? You know, one time the disciples asked Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive somebody that has done us wrong? Like, what is the number of times, Lord, that I, that, that I can tolerate and forgive someone talking bad to me, uh, someone stealing from me? What is, what is it? What's the perfect number of times? And Jesus said 490, because what they said was seven times. Like, what if somebody treats me bad seven times? That'd be pretty amazing if I forgave them seven times. And Jesus responds to them. And I imagine kind of with a smirk, he's like seven times. That's come on. 70 times seven is what he said. And so people have changed that into, turned that into 490. But Jesus responds to them and seven is perfection. So it represents perfection. So what Jesus said is, there is no end to the number of times that we must forgive. And so we have to think, well, Jesus, why did you say that? And what he was saying to them and what he is saying to us is that he never runs out of fix requests. That was your question. How many times do we have fix, fix it, fix me requests? Yeah. How many times can we go to, how many times can we go to God and yeah. say, I need you to fix this? Yeah. Thankfully, the answer is unlimited. It's unlimited. When Jesus said back to his disciples, when they said to him, how many times do we have to forgive? His answer to them was, it's perfection times perfection. There is no, uh, it's perfection times 10 times perfection. And he said, there is no end to the number of times he expects us to forgive because there is no 
uh, there is no number of times that he will not forgive us. I'm going to draw this out of uh, Lamentations. This is Jesus speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in a, a book that we now call Lamentations. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This is, And if you were to read all of those, all the chapters, everything around this, Jeremiah, as he was writing this, was just, it's called lament, it's Lamentations because he is lamenting. Uh, the the punishment that his nation is going through, his own struggles, all that he has endured, which has been very tough. Jeremiah's life was very, very hard. And in his in the middle of his lament, though, he says, I am comforted by this one. That's a paraphrase. But he essentially says, I am comforted in the middle of all my aggravation, pain and angst by this, that the steadfast love, steadfast, solid, secure, uh, unquestionable love of the Lord and I really what he called him by name, the steadfast love of Yahweh never stops that you can't find the end of it, that he is all, he is always love. Then he said, his mercies never come to an end that he is merciful. And then he is merciful again. And then he is merciful again. And Jeremiah is writing about uh, writing at a time about a God whom everybody was afraid of that, that uh, God was, he was in his wrath in these days in Jeremiah's life and was ex- expressing that wrath on on to and through the nation of Israel. But Jeremiah said, still, even as we are being punished, his mercy never comes to an end. He said to them all the time, if you will just repent, would you morons, just stop doing what you're doing and repent, you would find forgiveness because his mercies never come to an end. There's never a time that God will not show me mercy. He wants is that the yeah. literal translation? Morons. Yeah, that's that's uh the that's the the Hebrew word is <laughs> I can't do it. I don't even know what the Hebrew word is <laughs> if there even is one. Um, but yeah, he he was saying to them, if you just please re- stop what you're doing and repent, he'll forgive you because his mercies never end. There is no there is no number of times that uh, we have to ask for him to fix us. There's no, you know, the, no terminal number. It goes on and on and on. He then says they are new every morning, every day when I wake up, I'm waking up into a new day where God's mercies, his, his, his willingness to forgive me is available to me. And then he finally says, great is your faithfulness. God, you are so worthy of my uh, of me putting my faith in you that uh, I recognize it again. Your mercies are brand new every day. You'll forgive me every day. You'll forgive me every time. You'll fix me over and over again. As many times as I screw me up, you will fix me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That was true for Jeremiah. It was true for the nation of Israel. It's true for me. It's true for Joe. It's true for the United States of America on this great 4th of July. What we need most has already been extended to us in Christ, and that is the ability to be forgiven and fixed and made whole. And it's a shame that we waste it. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. So that's all I have for today. Uh, anything else you'd like to share or go over? Oh, no. <laughs> Look at that. All We're right. We're under two hours. So with that, we'll close out this episode by reminding everyone that we'd love to see you at Coast Life Church this weekend. We have two services for your viewing pleasure, one at 9 a.m. and another at 1030. We are located in the Knight Nonprofit Center on Seaway Road in Gulfport. We do provide uh, free nursery and child care to those parents who wish to enjoy the services unencumbered. We'll also have coffee, juice, snacks for those who would like to partake. Uh, Sometimes we even provide this whitish carbohydrate-like substance and some grape juice, but I don't know that we'll have that this Sunday. (laughs) 
<laughs> communion. It's coming up pretty soon, though. Oh, not this Sunday, but okay. soon. Excellent. Anyway, if you're not able to attend in person, we would love for you to join us online via Facebook Live, YouTube, the Coast Life Church app, or the Coast Life Church website. Am I leaving something out? For some reason, I feel like there's five ways to watch online, but I'm only stating four of them. Uh, did you say Facebook? I did. Well, there's Facebook, Facebook the platform. YouTube, YouTube, the church, Coast Life Church website, mm-hmm. and the app. Yeah. I don't think there's another one. Okay. Here's one other thing. Baptism, July 30th. If you've not been baptized, go to the church app or the church website, find events, and sign up. Oh. Baptism, following Jesus. It's part of the Christian walk. July 30th. Yeah. Do they warm that water? It is warm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Just seems cold when they get out of like, <laughs> Yeah, the room is cold, but the water is, well, it's lukewarm. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not bubbling bad. or anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If anyone has any questions or comments or even a topic you'd like us to address on the podcast, please leave us a message on the church Facebook site. I'll review everything before we go on each week and present any questions you may have for Pastor D that appear there. Or if you have a question that you'd rather ask anonymously, then just check the podcast notes for my email address and you can send your question or comment there. We'd like to remind you to Check out Polk's Drugs in Biloxi Ocean Springs for any of your medication requirements or free biscuit Friday. <laughs> I'm gonna go get the biscuits are only at the Biloxi location, however, not not Ocean Springs. Yeah, Ocean Springs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, we would love to advertise your business here on the podcast, especially if you are a member of Coast Life Church. All it takes is a tiny donation <laughs> to the building fund. So if you are interested in advertising or even just uh, throwing somebody a shout out or a thank you or whatever just let us know and we'll get you going with that and literally we'll take like a dollar or five dollars <laughs> whatever whatever you think is best is fine don't tell people uh, but oh, man. whatever you got <laughs> uh and with hello everyone sorry for the interruption there just to let you know what happened we had a big lightning strike or something outside and the power to the building went off I'm actually back at home now where the power is working. So let's finish this. So as we were praying, Heavenly Father, thank you for the day and the blessings of it. Lord, thank you for allowing us to come here and do this podcast. Uh, We ask that you would please reach down, take the words that we share, place them in someone's heart, and allow them to come closer to you. Thank you again, Lord, for everything you provide for us. Please forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. That's it for today. Uh, Happy birthday to the United States of America today. Y'all have fun celebrating, and please be careful with fireworks. Don't be the guy who shows up to work on Wednesday with only nine fingers. I'm kidding, of course, but, well, really, I'm not kidding. Don't be that guy. And that will conclude another episode of Thinking Out Loud with Pastor D. We appreciate you. We hope to see you here again next week. Bye-bye.